Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we deconstruct the world of sport and understand the tools and ethos of world-class athletes to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Olner, the CEO of Securo, and today I'll be talking to former professional cricket player Greg Matthews. Greg shares some great stories about his days playing for Australia and how he used humor and self-belief to be the best in his game. Building Resilience Podcast. Greg Matthews, welcome to the Building Resilient Podcast. How are you doing? No, I'd be lying if I said I was faking, but I'm hanging in there, brother. That's good. Well, resilience is all about hanging in there. Um, Greg, I'd love to uh, hear some of your stories. Uh, uh, we appreciate you joining the show today. And um, I ask a lot of the guests, let's start at the start. Um, let's go back to uh, let's go back to the early 1980s when you're, um, when you're getting into the Australian national side and your journey in cricket to there. And, and tell me all about it. How long's a piece of string, Noel? You tell me you've only got two hours. So I've got to be brief. I'll just I'll just peel off and say um, highly disappointing <laughs> because it was a there was a massive massive bullying system in place and um, it, it was extremely difficult for a young bloke like me to, to be jumping into that fire. Yeah, that surprised you, eh? That did surprise right, me. But I appreciate the vulnerability and the honesty. So as a young all rounder looking to get into the Australian team and getting get, getting there, you have that disappointment. Talk me through that disappointment and, and how you managed to to kind of push through that um, to, form a, to form a great career. I'll tell you, you just bought it every day. It was extremely difficult on so many levels. First, you, you, you made out to be weird and difficult and et cetera, et cetera, and yet I was a huge traditionalist. Just because I had an earring and no one else had an earring, it, it, it became a bit of a big deal. I was losing my hair, so I used to shave my head short. And, of course, I was a punk rocker, which I, I like punk. You know, I made a mind produce God Save the Queen by um, the Sex Pistols. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'm into a bit of punk, but it was it's amazing how you just got singled out because you didn't fit in. And it was it was a chore every day. You, you had to be conscious of where you sat and what, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. And I've always been a guy who's put it out there, so it was a, a difficult environment for me. What um, what you, you continue to put it out there and stay true to yourself. Um, what were the kind of big things that you'd tell yourself every day um, in order to 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 main, continue being yourself, right? Because it's very difficult in in those scenarios, surrounded by a lot of seniors. Um, a lot of people end up kind of following the crowd, but you didn't. Can you talk me through why and how? Well, from a sporting point of view, you, you pretty much it was very difficult because one of my I had Kim Hughes. He was fantastic to me, but. Abe didn't kind of get it with me, and um, so it was very, very difficult bowling for Australia um, because I didn't have the freedom that I had uh, when I was playing for New South Wales. And I had some really unusual captains, Rick McCosker, a serious Christian, Dirk Wellham, the professor, Jeff Lawson, really out there, you know, like a Mark Taylor, one of the greats. I, I, I had great relationships with them, and they just gave me the freedom to be what it is that I wanted to be on the field. You know, bowling the way I wanted to bowl, having the structure that I wanted to have, 
I never really had that frustration. So it was, it was very difficult. But mum always told me that, you know, if you're in the minority of one, the truth's always the truth. So you, it can't be something you're not. I, I remember in my first, um, I got my first husband 100 in Brisbane against New Zealand. And I got out a couple of overs before stumped. And Richie Benno interviewed me. He said, you must be really proud. I said, actually, I'm really disappointed. I, I messed it up for the team. If I'm still there at the end of the day's play, one day to go, we're a big chance of winning it or drawing it. And um, so you, you kick back on just trying to be fair and can be yourself. Just try keep it real as often as you can. Just, if you start going out there telling lies, you're, you're in a world of pain. Yeah, honesty and uh, and staying true to yourself is is vital, and um, you've got to be yourself in order to understand um, all of your quirks, all of your ups, all of your downs, and and continue moving forward. Um, what was your biggest setback as a as a cricketer? Well, I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> it's just interesting thing that you were talking about earlier. You know, you know, the greatness of cricket is that Bradman only averaged ninety nine because he had a mate at the other end, and Shane Warne. And he took 708 test wickets because he had his 10 mates catching and stopping the ball for him. So the greatness of cricket is you learn a lot about yourself. There's no sport that's played for the length of time. There's no sport you're totally dependent on your teammate for success. And there's no sport where you not only have to know that your, your gifts as far as your talent is concerned, but it's also you learn so much about yourself because you're out there for so, so goddamn long. So that, that's the greatness of, of cricket. And where do you see, uh, if you have a look at the modern day cricket, very different to um, when you were uh, when you were leading our teams um, across Australia? Um, what do you see some of the challenges with modern sports people and, and the way that they conduct themselves? Look, I'm just so proud. The Australian Cricketers Association created a hardship fund to help our ex-players that were doing a little bit difficult and needed some help and a bit of an uplift and. The other thing that we've helped create is just this, in my workplace, my brothers and my sisters can be a T20 specialist. They can be an ADI specialist. They can be a test specialist, test match cricket. So it's great that they have these opportunities in the workplace. I'm, I'm really happy, really proud. I'm like, I think uh, it was 80. Two, three, my first year. Then 83, 84, I played about seven first-class games for New South Wales. I played a couple of test matches and I went on a West Indies tour and I made 12,500. <laughs> I had to sign an invitation every time I wanted to play. But now my brothers and sisters, they're making some really good coin. I, I just know it was public knowledge. I'm not putting it out something out there that I shouldn't. You know, Pat Cummins is on a $2 million retainer contract. It's Fantastic, and then we've got other blokes playing in the IPL that don't play, that don't play Test match cricket and first class cricket. They they just play T Twenty stuff. So it's a fantastic opportunity for my peers. And the, what's going on now, Noel, is that sport mirrors the community that we live in, and we want it hard and fast now. We haven't got five days to sit down and watch that Test match. We just want to take the kids along for a four-hour big bash thing and, or a T20 thing, they can get them into bed before it's too late and, and be okay for school the next day. Now, do I agree with the way everything's set up? We've got the 100, that's fantastic in England, T20, 50 over, test match. 
this it's it's a different world that we live in. And Noel, you asked me, you know, do we want it to be different? Of course we do. We need to always grow. We need to improve our product. We need to be adventurous, um, you know, and this T20 stuff and the, and the 100 has, has created some wonderful opportunities for people that might not have received the opportunity to make a livelihood and also to follow their journey, their journey that they want to walk. Yeah, there's so many more options now with the uh, with the rise of the uh, with the rise of the white ball game and um, and the T20. Um, interestingly, had uh, Todd Greenberg on the show last week talking around some of the areas he's really looking to to push the needle and and look after Australian cricketers, but also expand uh, cricket across the across the global stage. And it's awesome, awesome yeah. to see. Um, you've obviously got a very keen eye on the future of cricket and and how, like you say, your brothers and sisters, your peers, um, the people that you care about so much in the game, um, how they grow and how they expand. Um, the cricket the business, the business of cricket and how that's changed over times. Could you talk me through your thoughts around um, the expansion of uh, cricket into more of that world game and, and more into business because um like you say it was a it was an amateur sport when you when you started out. Yeah World Series cricket changed things a little bit and the importance of World Series cricket was the fact that the players had a bit more noise and a bit more of a stake in the game. And something that people don't get about World Series cricket is the fact that they offered three year contracts. So when I first went to borrow money to buy my first flight, my bank manager said, well, it's pretty hard giving you a loan on the back of the fact that you're invited to play cricket, that you don't have a contract guaranteeing your income, that you have to sign before you walk out onto the field, that you don't have the freedom to move from New South Wales to Victoria or anywhere else in Australia to play. So the World Series did a little bit to help with that. Wages improved a little bit, um, but it was the three-year deals that got guys over line. That was a really big plus. And from my point of view with the expansion, well, we, we had the mother-slave relationship and there's no other way to describe it, Noel. You know, people that didn't know a lot about the game and people that didn't know a lot about business were given very, very senior, important positions. And to say they're faceless people is, is very accurate and it's very true. With the advent of the Australian Creators Association, things have progressed a long way and in the positive in that players now have a seat on the board, they have a voice on the board, and they have a piece of the cricketing pie, which means if Cricket Australia earn 100 units in any financial year, then the players will receive a percentage of those 100 units. And I'll just give you a ballpark and say 24. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't sit on the exec anymore. I've got a different role and I don't know what it is. But I know my mates are making some really good coin. I know our girls are becoming professional. And that's what the expansion's been about. I'm mean, like, gosh, our, our World Cup victory in Melbourne, Katy Perry playing, um, supporting, uh, singing after the, the match of 85,000 people. It's the biggest growth area in Australian sport. That's women's cricket. And we've got the best team in the world, 48 from 51. 
Um, you've played with some of the the greats out there, and you mentioned something really relevant around the the team aspect of sport. Is that you can't you can't get seven hundred wickets if you don't have um, a good crew around you catching and uh, and supporting from the other end. Um, but from an individual level, what have you seen in 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 some of the greats that you've played with and be around that that completely differentiates them from the pack? You'd have to say self belief. It's a massive thing, and it, it comes in, in, in varying shades. Some are macho and aggressive and out there like big Merv Hughes, and, and then you've got Dougie Walters, who's just, you know, the bloke who's living next door enjoying a beer, and, and God bless Dougie's off the, the cigarettes these days. So he, good. <laughs> That's good. That's resilient giving up the ciggies. Yeah, absolutely. Dougie, legend, great man. You mentioned their self-belief. Um, and they're all going to different types of players, like you mentioned, Merv Hughes, having that self-belief and, and striking fear into uh, in, into their, their opponents. Um, when you've seen some of the people around you uh, go through struggles or hard times, um, how do you offer support, or how have you seen uh, the community to support people's recovery? Mate, the Black Dog's got a lot to answer for, and you know, with COVID and everything that's been going on, I think we're not going to see that the bottom of this and for quite a few years and certainly the next generation, um, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. Uh, we're a herd mentality society and to be locked up and pushed away. And for players, it's it's not really that a different mold. Um, you, you look within yourself at stuff that you think is going to be good for you and you follow that path and and yeah, that's that's pretty much the journey you're on. I'm mean, like, it's an individual game made up of the collective cricket. So, as I've said, you know, Bradman gets runs, but you still need to be in it together and communicating with each other. And if you've got those lines of communication open, I think it helps enormously. Um, great leadership is about that wonderful ability to communicate with people and give them their freedom. I, I'm like, it's really interesting. The Churchill takes the Western world to, to a great victory, WW2. And three months later, he gets voted out. It just highlights the, the difference that people perceive and, and, and need in the world, which is looking at around what you see the tail girls that have come through because, you know, the community wasn't happy with what our, our leaders were doing. So when we talk about our, our sporting community, we it's, it's great if you've got a, a great leader because we're so dependent on him for guidance and unlike a league game that goes on for 80 minutes or a union and stuff like that, a cricket captain has to be on deck for six hours a day and fresh and ready to go in for five days. So it's, it's a big ask. Let's drill down a bit on that because you, we are in a world where people are asking for change, whether it's through... Um, through government, whether it's through clamping down on on big enterprise, um, and also looking at new policies around mental health or um, the way in which we look after our communities, um, change is everywhere, and the desire for change is everywhere. And go back to the kind of cricket pitch. You, as captain of New South Wales, um, you're coming out and you're like, you know what? We need to mix things up here um, in order to get the result. And it's down to that leader to make the calls. Um, what were some of the things that went through your mind, or some of the area, or some of the skills you used to facilitate change? 
communication is your number one. Sometimes it's through action. Alan Border was a great action captain. Mark Taylor was both an action and a communicative type captain. So they, every leader has a different vibe to him. Rick McCosker um, would just sit me down and give me one set. But like the first and most important thing he ever said to me is, the day I tell you to change is the day you change because people were jumping on my back, blah, blah, blah. Mate, I just hit the roof after that. I was, I went on to, if he didn't say that to me, I doubt I would have made it through. And then Dirk Wellen wrote me a great letter talking about what we could do together at West and how we could help shape New South Wales and, and both of us could start playing cricket for Australia if we helped each other. Murray Bennett was just my best buddy, big buddy. Um, he was just a great communicator. Be proactive. Don't be reactive was the thing that I learned from Murray. Um, and John Howard is a bit of a mate. I don't want to embarrass him, but talk <laughs> about resilience. Gee, what, what a man just to be beat up by his own party. Hawk and Keating just blitzing him. And yet he held firm. And the second longest serving Prime Minister in our history, 10 years, I think it was for John. And, you know, you talk about resilience. We still see him on the street supporting his party. You still see him giving of himself freely. You still see him mentally exceptionally active and physically moving like a three-quarter and and making <laughs> a contribution to the, uh, the the community. I, I, I'm a big fan. So there's your resilience. I'm like, John is just a, a bit of a special bloke. Yeah, and we need more resilience like that as well in the world, right? And uh, and in that consistency, he's been there on the front line of politics for so long, and there's no giving up and um, no hiding away from it, regardless of the the result or the outcome or your polit- political persuasion. Um, you can never knock somebody that turns up again, again, and again, um, and that really is a, a sign of resilience. Um, Let's uh, kind of pause on the kind of the cricket aspect and look outside of uh, outside of the cricket world. Obviously, you've been uh, involved in in areas of media and um, and roles uh, off the field as well. Um, what are your biggest kind of takeaways from the world of the world of sport and the and the world of business that you could that you could share with our audience? We've got a really we've got an audience who who love hearing about. Uh, resilience coming from come that was born on the field but but delivered off the field? Well, I don't think it changes too much. You are what you are. Be what it is that you are. If you think something's right, then, then you you attack it positively and aggressively and you, you follow that path. It's up to each individual to basically sort that out for themselves. What do I want to be and do I believe? And it helps if you've got good people around you if you speak your mind and the truth without being nasty about it, it's very important. Um, I work at Blockton Insurance Company and I said to the CEO, I said, and the chairman for that matter, um, Marzio said, mate, you know, we, we had that town hall and it was a bit hard to hear, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've got to make sure us working class plebs up the back get, get to hear all the good news as well kind of thing. And he was very generous with it. He, he embraced it. He said, thank you. We'll know next time that we need to have a, a bigger mic or, or move the system so that everyone can actually hear. So it works pretty much all through life. If you, you're pretty keen to be honest with yourself, if you you tell the truth, like I said, Mum said, if you're in a minority of one, the truth's always the truth. So it stands you in good stead. And business, 
it's no different from sport. Sport is institutionalised. You're told what to wear, where to be, what time to be there, how to think, how to smell. And that's why you're seeing, you know, the generics of cricket and sport generally flattening out because there's a lot of people trying to control who those individuals are, these pathways and things like that. Whereas I think you, you just need that free spirit for people to just go out there and, yeah, you need a little bit of help with, with direction and, you know, we don't want to live in a a state where we don't have a vote or whatever, you know, and we want that freedom. But we also have to live by the rules. So being a sports person, absolute business person, think of it this way. It takes just as many phone calls, just as much effort to raise $10 million as it does to raise 10000 Yeah. Can I use that one? That was great. Where did that come from? Yeah, that was good, that one. That one, uh, that one might have to get... Uh, get put up in lights when we when we promote the show for sure but it's really important um and the other aspect of that is uh the the fact whether you're raising 10 million or ten thousand, um you've got to make the first call um otherwise nothing happens and and on the other side of um brilliance um use was the start um, um and and taking action there is so so important um greg um what i ask everybody on the show is um, and you've already given some really good stories about John Howard, about um, other cricketing legends, and and yourself and your own story about coming through uh, from a from a really tough um, entry into the world of cricket uh, to shine uh, throughout the Australian team and 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 captain New South Wales. Um, but we always ask, how do you define resilience? Um, so how does Greg Matthews define resilience? You're not marked by how you're doing when you're absolutely peaking, when you're on top, when you've just got to test others. It's when you've had a few failures and a few people that question you. And it's about how you look at yourself in the mirror. Mate, if I say something to... <laughs> I'd sound absolutely stupid to your listeners. You can see what you Mate, want. Every time, early days for me, because I'm playing against... I'm playing with Lily Chapel Marsh and, and the War Brothers and, and, and Shane and Mark Taylor... You know, really special era in the history of Australian cricket. And there were, I've been no doubt, I was just a working class bloke, even though Mark Moore and I both batted at 41 at test level. Go figure, how come I didn't bat six? How come <laughs> I'm not the Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> he, was much, he was prettier than me. <laughs> and, mate, and just the GO would, would be every time you look in the mirror, just say to yourself, I'm the man, no one can mess with me. And I know that sounds a bit fruity and et cetera, but if you just say that every day to yourself when you're cleaning your teeth, you say, I'm, I'm the man, no one can mess with me. How lucky am I to be living in Australia? Just some really positive stuff. Just hit yourself with it once a day. I'm blessed to live in Australia. I'm the man, no one can mess with me. You know, like we, we are very fortunate to be Australians, to live in this great country. The world's... Oh, sitting on the edge of some stuff, but, you know, if we just stick together, I think we're going to make it, you know, like especially us Aussies. We're a tough bunch. Look at our Anzac brothers and our sisters. We're a tough, resilient mob, you know, and, and that just permutates through our community and hopefully these damn phones won't destroy that in social media. Yeah, I completely agree that it's important to have that gratitude uh, for the for the country that we're living in, in the safe environment that we have. Um, and then 
as you mentioned, the affirmations of the realization of who we are and who we can be and and those consistent reminders that uh, we've got to turn up every day and we've got to back ourselves. And, we and do. If we do that, um, some good things can happen um, and, and happiness can can really flourish because you've got that self-belief that you're in the right place at the right time and, uh, and, and you're exactly where you're meant to be. And now I'm going to just have to love you and leave you because I've got to get back to the cold face at, at, at Lockton. Uh, the boss is knocking on the door. He wants the, uh, the room. And um, it's been super talking to you. And um, look, I'll see you in Paris, if not before, okay? <laughs> Cheers, Greg. Thanks very much for joining the show. Take care, brother. Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks today to our guest, Greg Matthews. I appreciate your time. Thanks to our sponsor, Securo. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. Securo, trust tomorrow. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. G'day, this is Tim Gilbert. And I'm Shane Lee. Together, we'll bring you the only podcast you'll need to get your daily dose of sport. With episodes out Monday to Friday afternoons, ready for you on your drive home. We've got a quick hit of sports headlines, keeping you up to date with the news you need to know. And we'll take a deep dive into the stuff you've always wanted to know. Cannot wait. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. We'll see you then.